Back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. I appreciate you joining me here today. I Man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Christmas is in less than two weeks now by the time this airs. Uh, this I'll admit this kind of snuck up on me. I am on the road and I believe I will be hanging my stocking in a hotel lobby this year. So uh, won't be the, the Christmas spirit I'm used to. I, I don't know. I may get a day or two off around that time to maybe do a little bit of traveling and see people. But I hope people are enjoying enjoying the season, getting to see some people. I know Clay Edwards having a big party for the WYAB family, I guess, on next week. Sorry, I will miss that. Maybe I shouldn't have said I was going to miss it. That's certainly going to put a big dent in, the, uh, <laughs> in attendance. Uh, don't worry. Clay, Jameson, Kim Wade will be there, I believe. That's what everybody shows up for anyway. Anyway, my humble little hour a day here. We'll go ahead and get it kicked off today. A little derelict. I'm busy, busy with work and life these days. My notes were a bit of a jumble, but I ran across one story today, and it it wrote a big part of the show for me. We're going to chronicle here as I'm going to continue to talk about Javier Mille. Again, you have to understand, look. Uh, I think conservatives are kind of excited about this rebel rouser taking over Argentina or becoming the president of Argentina. Let me put it that way. He's a libertarian. He doesn't want to take over anything. He actually wants to give people their freedom back. At least that's what he says. So judging him on his rhetoric and some of the actions he's already taken, maybe he's serious about this. And I just believe that uh, with this being the only libertarian show, certainly in central Mississippi, if not the entire state of Mississippi, maybe the southeast as far as terrestrial radio goes, uh, we're going to take a look at exactly what goes on in Argentina, the good and the bad. I misspoke yesterday. It turns out that Javier Mille, it's not that he got into the uh, Paris Climate Accords, but he didn't take Argentina out of the Paris Climate Accords. This is a big red flag to me. I'll be keeping an eye on that. But what he's doing is interesting. I reported yesterday that Javier Mille, the libertarian that was elected to be president of Argentina, uh, on his first day in office, I believe within his first few hours, he was sitting behind his equivalent of the Resolute desk in his presidential palace. He hacked down uh, several federal agencies, took them down from 21 to 9 on the first day in office. Now, I don't know about you, but here in the United States, I voted Republican for a long time. And one of the reasons I voted for uh, Republicans was the promise since the 1980s to abolish the Department of Education. Now, that wasn't a, it wasn't a main reason. You know, I was just a neocon Kool-Aid-drinking Republican at the time, listening to uh, getting my marching orders from Trent Lott. 
But it was always appealing to me because I did know it was a big bureaucracy. I did see the the trajectory of the Department of Education uh, since its start in, I believe, 1977. It was a Jimmy Carter idea. And, and you can we all know what the results of public school education has been nationally. Now, there's good public schools out there. I'm a graduate of public schools in Jackson, Mississippi, as a matter of fact. A graduate from Murrah High. So there's a lot of you know, good, good kids in these schools, and there are some good public schools. But as a nation, we've seen where education has gone since the 1970s. The ring, reason I bring it up, Javier Mille, in the first few hours of his presidency, abolished nine agencies. I've been listening to the Republican Party say they're going to get rid of the Department of Education since, I think, around 1984. It might have been when, when Reagan was running for re-election. We certainly heard about it during the, uh, what was that thing called during the... 1990s uh, contract with America. Wasn't that what it was called, Newt Gingrich's thing? We've been hearing now for 40 years, 40 years, they're going to get rid of the Department of Education. Nothing happens. Javier Mille gets into office. This is what happens when you elect somebody who's actually principled. He takes pen to paper and gets rid of that agency immediately. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't know the mechanism in the United States for getting rid of a cabinet-level department. I don't know if that can be done by executive order, but from what I've seen between Donald Trump and Joe Biden and Barack Obama and George Bush, I think you can do whatever you want to by executive order. We see them just do these things just willy-nilly. And of course, when our team is in charge, we love the executive order. It means we're taking action. When the other team does an executive order, it's overreach. (laughs) That's the way we work. Well, I don't know if you can get rid of the Department of Education or the rest of these cabinet agencies that are a drain on America, on Americans and our economy, but uh, it certainly has not ever been fulfilled. Our government gets bigger. Have you noticed this? As Republicans, when when they get control, the government grows New departments are added, new branches of the military. Space Force! It always seems to go that way. But but what was interesting about uh, Javier Mille getting rid of these agencies and taking trying to set a new path, for those who don't know, Argentina, I, know, I, I don't know if it's five or seven or ten or 12 financial crises have hit Argentina over the past couple of decades. They are constantly having a currency collapse there, and this is from one of the formerly richest nations in the world, and particularly in South America. But I ran across this headline, quote, people are going to suffer, unquote, Argentines grapple with austerity shock. And I wanted to read a little bit of this story because this is... This is encouraging to me, as sad as it is for the Argentinian people. Uh, We are going to suffer this same fate here in the United States. And it's because while a lot of people believe that, you know, Joe Biden is the socialist, Barack Obama is the socialist, Bernie Sanders is a socialist, we have to finally come to grips, admit to ourselves, no, the Republican Party is just as socialist. Well, maybe not just as, but pretty darn close. A huge military is a socialist program. It's giant government that steals from everybody and pays off the defense contractors. You know, our soldiers aren't getting rich doing it. Social Security, which year in and year out, Republican Congress critters, presidential candidates promise to protect. 
Medicare, Medicaid, giant socialist programs, a graduated income tax. That's a plank on the communist manifesto. And Republicans defend it and maintain it throughout their terms, too. The Argentinians have lived through socialism, and now it's time to pay the cost. They've already been paying the cost, but to pull it out by its roots is when it's especially painful. And I want, I'm going I'm to talk a little bit in this story about what the Argentinians are now facing. And would Americans put up with this? And the sad fact of it is no. You know, I, I could look at boomers right now. I could probably sit down and have a nice conversation with them and say, you see how far off track we've gotten? You see how big this government's gotten? You've seen this $30 trillion in debt, and they'll say, yes, it's just terrible. My poor grandchildren. But if I were to ask them, well, would you just give away all the rest of your Social Security? Would you, <laughs> would you give away the equity? You know, would you pay the price for doing nothing for your entire working life and allowing this monstrosity to grow, most people would say no. Same thing with housing. We know we're in a big fat bubble right now, but I doubt I'm going to get a lot of takers if I went to them and said, hey, I think we can fix the home affordability problem. We can start tamping down inflation. We can start getting our fiscal house in order so that our children can inherit a good country. You're going to need to lose all the equity in your homes. They'll say no, no. You need to lose 50% of your, uh, your 401k because you understand if we were to ever shrink the government here, that would lead to widespread uh, uh, wholesale unemployment because the government is the biggest employer on planet Earth and it needs to shrink at the federal, state, and local levels. So there'd be a ton of people out of work. What I'm saying is to actually fix the ills that take decades and decades and decades to grow you got to have some real pain. And I'm not talking about 9% last year inflation, of course, you and I know. That means actually it's 18%, right? It's always double what they say it is. But to actually fix this ship, we all need to take a significant amount of pain. And to me, to me, it is incumbent upon us to take that pain now. Leaving it to our children is a crime against humanity. A crime against future generations. But I guarantee you, you sit down with somebody and say, your children are going to have a better life, but your 401k is gone, your Social Security is gone, your Medicare is gone, and your housing, uh, your, the, the equity that you have in your home, it's gone too. But your children will have a, a better life. <laughs> How many people take that deal? Because they think, they think, oh, that's not necessary, Mike. They'll fix it. We can kind of fix it slowly. You know, if we get Trump in there and he does a couple little, you know, nibbles around the edges here and then the Republicans keep Congress and they nibble around the edges there, we'll slowly turn this thing around and our kids are going to be okay. I'm here to tell you, the excesses that we have built in the U.S. economy are so massive, only drastic action and a high pain point is going to ultimately fix these things. Now, it may be involuntary, right? We may just end up in a serious currency crisis, financial crisis, depression-type event. But the problem is we need to absorb that pain of another depression or whatever it is, however it manifests itself, and not let them, air quotes here in the studio, fix anything. We need to take the pain, understand, you know, how many times in life do we do something and we just, we pay the price for it and we go, I can't believe I did that. 
And you just got to do it. You know, uh, you, you fall off a ladder because you're not being careful and you sprain your ankle or you break your leg. You just think to yourself, why, why did I go so fast? Why didn't I just slow down? You know what I mean? You just you stop and you think, oh, you're just kicking yourself for making that decision. Well, we've made these horrible decisions for 50 years now, each and every day that we have voted for these two major parties. And so now we just need to sit back. We, no one needs to stroke our hair. No one needs to come riding to the rescue. We just need to take the pain. I don't know how many people understand that or believe me, because the problem is we keep getting the pain, right? We had the pain back in 2008, 2009 in the financial crisis. We had the pain back at the dot-com bust. We've had the pain before. The problem is we have such a low tolerance for pain. We've been convinced by the political class that they can fix it. They can make it better. They can send out some checks here and there. They can give some subsidies here or there. You know, you know what I mean? They can. They 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 try to. They try to take away some of the pain, and so nothing is actually fixed. The excesses in our uh, economy have never been wrung out. You know, there's a medical condition that some people suffer from where they can't feel pain. And boy, you know, it sounds, it's one of those things where you first hear it, you think, man, wouldn't that be great? But it's not. It's actually a deadly condition because pain, pain is the signal to stop doing something. See, People who can't feel any pain with this medical condition can leave their hand on a burning stove, not even realize it until they smell their flesh burning. They end up getting a horrific burn and then it gets infected. And I mean, it's a terrible way to live life as much as we hate it when we smack our head on something. I have found out, too, <laughs> over the past few years, you know, hair is not only aesthetically pleasing to most people, but it is also very protective of the scalp. And as it thins, oh, when you hit your head on something, it's a, it's a, it's a different ball game. For those of you with a good full head of hair, you're walking around with a little extra cushion. I am here to attest to you. Anyway... We, we need to take this pain. We almost need to encourage it. We need to almost want it, not for ourselves. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to see people suffer, but we deserve it. We made this bed, and we are trying to get our children and grandchildren to lie in it. Got to take a break. When I come back, I'll get into the story of what the Argentinians are facing now. And unfortunately, they need to go through this. It's not going to be good, and it'll be interesting to see. Will they stick with a president? This is really kind of the question of the show. You know, what does everybody campaign on? They're always going to make everything better, right? And strangely enough, term in and term out, they make things worse. And when it gets worse, people demand more help from the government, and so they've got more to campaign on. You know, it's just this endless cycle. It never works. We just refuse to take any pain to acknowledge the mess that we've created and these politicians, the worse it gets, the more promises they get to make. They make these promises, then they deliver on the air quotes here in the studio, the fixes, and it gets worse again, which means the next election cycle they can campaign on anyone, anyone, anyone fixing the stuff they screwed up in the past four years. So it's, it's just, just this, this endless loop of things. So the question is, could a president here be honest with the American people? Can Javier Mille down in Argentina, he's a few days into office and he is doing some things that are going to hurt the Argentinians short term, but it may save their country. I don't know in the United States, I mean, I don't know about Argentina. I don't know if in the United States we have enough foresight. 
we are a very microwave, want-it-now uh, uh, economy and society. I don't know if we'd have the patience. Even if we knew in our soul in five years we'll have a more stable, prosperous country for our children, but for the next five years, things are going to be tight. I don't know how many people take that. I really don't. It's a shame. I'll take it. I'll volunteer. I've had hard times before. I'll go have hard times again. I'll take on as many hard times as I need if it means a better life for my children, more opportunity, more prosperity for my children. I've had a good life. I was around when we were running up the credit card. It was, it was, it was go-go time, baby. The 80s and 90s, are you ki- kidding me? How great was that time? That was, you know, that's when we were running the credit card up. Well, now the credit card bill is here. And we need to pay it off so we don't leave it for future generations. I'll show you what Argentinians are facing when I come back. Stick around. Can't explain all the feelings that you're making me feel. My heart's in overdrive and you're behind the steering. You know, Argentina is going to be really quite the experiment. It will be the first time in modern history we have the potential. And again, I'm suspicious. I'm waiting for proof that this is going to actually happen, even if it's ugly. You know, when the Soviet Union fell, it was a mess in Russia for a good 10 years. I want to read books about it. If anybody has a good recommendation on a book of the fall of the Soviet Union and how they you know, those years of transition where things just fell apart. But boy, the Soviet Union, it's freer now. It's more prosperous. It looks better. I mean, everything about Russia is great. They went through at least 10 years of hell. I mean, gangs and oligarchs fighting over stuff, black market, everything. It was a time of chaos in Russia. But see, they're on the other side of it now. The 2008-2009 crisis, if they hadn't bailed out the banks, oh boy, it would have been bad. (laughs) It would have been rough. You're talking about major banking institutions going under, but they should have gone under. You know, we, a lot of people had bad times in 2008, 2009, 2010, and I'm sorry for you. It really, it really does suck, but it was, it was because of the people you voted for that made all these mistakes that made that thing happen. But the problem is they didn't let it really, you know, they, they did what I'm talking about. They rode in, started sending out stimmy checks, right? Slashing interest rates trying to blow the housing bubble back up. We didn't have near the pain we should have had. We could have had a probably, as strong as the United States is, and internet, we probably could have three or four pretty, I mean, deep, dark, depression years. We would have made it out the other side and be standing on something stable. Instead, we sent out stimulus checks, we gave mortgage assistance, you know, they, they did all of the temporary measures that has just led to more of the inflation we're seeing now, which is going to lead to another financial crisis and, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. This is what the government does. It looks like Argentina is going to take another path. Here is this, here's this story. On the streets of Buenos Aires, Argentines were starting to grapple on Wednesday with how they will be impacted by major austerity measures and an over 50% devaluation of the local peso currency, part of a shock plan to stabilize the economy. The government of new libertarian president Javier Mille unveiled plans on Tuesday to slash state spending and turn around a deep fiscal deficit, moves that were cheered by markets. It devalued the peso currency sharply, which will stoke inflation already near 150%. 
Now, I'll be honest with you, I have not had time since I saw this on Tuesday to understand how devaluing the peso actually ultimately helps them. Uh, the, the good thing about Javier Mille, at least what he's talked about and what I know he is well-versed in, is he's, a, he's an Austrian uh, economist. That's what the libertarians that I admire here in the United States, they practice Austrian economics. That's the uh, Mises, Ludwig von Mises, was an Austrian economist, and his faction of the Libertarian Party has recently taken over the Libertarian Party. They understand economic issues. They understand that free markets succeed. They're not perfect. But all of the government intervention we have, and it comes from the right and the left, Republicans and Democrats, or they, they practice crony capitalism. But I always promise you a great life, while the elites are the ones who end up with the great life, and occasionally we get a crumb or two along the way. So Mille, is, he's got a sound understanding of this, so I'm going to be interested to learn. See, I don't know everything, and I know I don't know everything, and I love to learn things. <laughs> to learn how devaluing his currency helps their inflation thing. Uh, this is uh, Augustina, Augustina Fiera, 19. He's a shop worker in the Argentine capital, said this. He said, quote, The measures are good in theory to fix the economy, but caught in the, many, in the middle, many people are going to suffer because of it. Look at that. A 19-year-old Argentinian understands that there is pain coming, and people are going to suffer, which is sad, but it could be what needs to be done. Sounds to me like he's kind of ready for it to happen. How many of the youth in this country do you think? Uh, youth? I don't know. I'm not picking on the youth. People in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You can't even say the words austerity in America. We feel like we're too good for austerity. Oh, no. We're the shiny sitting, uh, shining city on the hill, Mike. We drive the world economy. No austerity for us. We can have our cake and eat it, too. America is so great. That's what our political class tries to tell us. The story goes on, inflation is set to rise sharply in the months ahead, eroding people's savings and spending power. Planned cuts to subsidies will push up energy bills and transport costs, while the spending cuts will drag on economic growth. Just think about that for a minute. The new president of Argentina is going to spike prices on purpose. He's going to cut subsidies, state subsidies to industries, which is going to push up the prices of things, right? And then he's going to, with all of the spending cuts, the economy is actually going to slow, stagnate, probably fall into deep recession. He's doing that on purpose and telling the people, this is what we have to do. Now, I'm going to keep on with the story when we come back because it's, it's really pretty fascinating to listen to some of the quotes from people in Argentina. These may be voters for Javier Mille. Maybe they've just got a lot of faith in him, or maybe they are that much smarter than we are. Maybe after five or six financial crises in your country, maybe you start paying attention to economics a little bit and start understanding, man, we got to do something different. But it's interesting to me to hear some of these quotes from people in Argentina, and my question would be, would we be able to do this in the United States? Can you imagine voting for a president I don't care if you're on Social Security, if you are in retirement age, if you're in your 30s. I don't know. A, a president that comes out and goes, look, here, you want to just hear this real quick before I take a break. Here's the Mike Madison platform. Hey, we have allowed the parasite political class to totally screw this thing up. And I hate to say it, but if you elect me, I'm going to try to get a, do away with Social Security. I'm not just going to take the rug out from underneath everybody. I'm not heartless. 
as much as I probably think that's the most you know effective thing to do. But you know, basically, it would be if you're under 50, I know you've been contributing to Social Security for 20, 30 years. Sorry, they stole that from you. You can you're going to blame me, but you should look at all of the parasites up here who've been raiding Social Security. We can't afford it. Just go and bust. Uh, all your money that you put in is gone. Good luck with that. You know, everybody over 50 would be maybe some kind of sliding scale. But I would say that socialist program, that Ponzi scheme, Social Security, it's got to go. We can't afford it. It's going to take us all down. It's going to screw up this country for our kids. Uh, same thing with Medicare and Medicaid. We're going to have to find some private, some kind of free market ways. Because can you imagine how much less doctors and hospitals would charge if they didn't have that fat U.S. federal government checkbook behind every single senior citizen patient. That's why everything's so expensive, because they know the government's going to pay for it. They contribute, you know, the medical establishment contributes to politicians who put in programs like Medicare and Medicaid and Medicare Part D, Big Pharma sponsored. They contribute to the politicians. The politicians pass these bills. The bills pass, and then all of a sudden the taxpayers are on the hook, and the pharmaceutical company and the, the medical establishment goes, oh, hell yeah, the people aren't paying this. We can look them in the eye and treat them and give them all kinds of expensive tests, and they won't even care. They won't even be mad at us because we're going to just turn around and bill the government for it. It's a, it's, it's, it's a scam. It's a heist. So if I go out there on my on the campaign trail and say, look, there's a lot of pain ahead. You really want do you want to fix this thing? And you'd hear the crowd go, yeah, we want to fix it. And I, I'd have to do my showman stuff. Do you really want to fix it? <laughs> and everybody would say, we really want to fix it. And then I'd start laying out those things. All right. Social Security, gone. Medicare, Medicaid, gone. Welfare, gone. Endless wars, gone. You down with that? A lot of people are going to lose their jobs. we got a lot of government workers, a lot of parasites uh, in the political class been doling out political favors and growing this government. We're going to be laying a ton of people off. It's going to be sad. Some of your family members are going to lose their jobs, and the government jobs ain't coming back while I'm in office. How many votes do I get out of that crowd? I bet you a lot of even the most conservative people in that audience start looking at their nails, kind of, you know, cleaning their nails. Yeah, I don't know about all that, Mike. I mean, can't you just fix it like, you know, uh, like a 10% tax cut? I've always been fine with just, because people don't understand. They don't understand the situation. No one can even comprehend of what $34 trillion even looks like. The number's so big. So I would imagine there would be a lot of navel-gazing should I go out and campaign on that. But that's what needs to be done, and that's what Javier Mille apparently is doing in Argentina. We'll do a little bit more of that story when we come back. Stick around. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. We're talking about Javier Mille, the new president of Argentina, and what he is doing purposefully to really tank the Argentine, uh, Argentinian economy. He's not doing it out of hatred. He's doing it because it's, you know, it's like tough love. It's like uh, rehab, right? I mean, we, we here in the United States, I've talked about it many, many, many times. We've been on monetary heroin. 
for 100 years really hardcore the last 50, after they took us off the gold standard, 50 years of monetary heroin, the withdrawals from that, not going to be good. Uh, Javier Mille is imposing those on the Argentinian people. So listen to more of this story. The devaluation of their currency has overnight knocked over half the official value from people's pesos in dollar terms. Though in reality, tight capital controls already meant access to foreign currency was limited and people paid high rates on parallel markets. Just meaning they've already, they, they, you know, if, even if they saw this coming, they couldn't all get their pesos out of their banks and turn them into dollars so they would avoid this, this haircut they're taking to the value of their pesos. Jose Diz, an agronom, uh, agronomic engineer, said that tough government measures were, quote, necessary, unquote, but the real-life impact would be difficult. Quote, yesterday I was talking to my children at dinner, and it's like being told that my salary is being cut in half, he said, adding that his family were already tightening their belts by buying fewer groceries. He worried about people living on pensions. He said, quote, I don't know how they're going to get by when costs of everything increase by 30 or 40 percent. It's very difficult. You know, here, here would be the beautiful thing in the United States about austerity like this. You know what, you would, what we would rediscover? Talking about people on pensions. You know what we would rediscover is that adults have children and take care of children. And as the children get older and they set up their own professional lives, there's a, a big chunk of the war time in there, what, 30 or 40 years of kind of that, that working life before your parents get to the age. You know what? Families should be responsible for their family. Huh. See, see we've abdicated the care for our elderly, for our parents and our grandparents, to Daddy Gov. Right? Now, granted, everybody who's retired, elderly people, have been robbed of their money their entire life, put into this Ponzi scheme, Social Security. But i got to tell you, I think it would be kind of nice. Just imagine a working life. And now there's a lot of people out there saying, look, I, I try to help my parents. I couldn't afford to take care of my parents. I'm barely making ends of meet with my family. But see, in a Mike Madison, maybe a Javier Mille administration, you got to keep every nickel you earned your entire working life. I bet you'd have a few dollars to take care of your parents when they're aging, wouldn't you? Yeah, think about that. You get to keep all the money you earn. It doesn't get stolen for Social Security, for Medicare, for Medicaid, for federal income taxes. You keep all that money, basically, uh, what, about a 40% raise every year. Every year you work, you make 40% more than you do right now. I'll bet you by the time that, that your parents are sliding into that area where they can't work and maybe they're running out of their savings, of course, they might not even need your help because in the Mike Madison administration, they would have been able to keep every nickel that they earned through their working life, too. They probably wouldn't need a whole lot of help. You get rid of Medicare and Medicaid, and then even their, their medical care at retirement is probably pretty reasonable. I don't know if people know this. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. He was telling me he had a heart procedure. He said his insurance was billed something like $389,000. I think his portion of it was around twelve. And we got talking. I said, have you heard about medical tourism? Do you know you can go to all kinds of places, India, Mexico, Thailand? Have you ever heard about medical tourism? In these countries, you can go and, you know, here, particularly if you don't have insurance, you know, you, you might need a heart procedure. Here in the United States, you're bankrupt, right? It's a $300,000 procedure. 
Or you can fly to, I'm just going to use Thailand. I think that's one of the countries that does it. You can fly to Thailand. They will put you up in something that is the equivalent of a five-star resort, a beautiful building, staff that caters to your every need, and not sterile staff, you know, not just jabbing you and poking you, but it's like being at a resort. And then you get your heart surgery done by very well-trained surgeons over there, and the out-of-pocket to you is like twelve grand. $350,000 here in the United States, or you can go to basically like a club med where you're pampered along the way to your procedure and you're out of pocket $12,000. See, that's how medicine could work. But we got the government all intertwined in ours. So you could take care of your parents. We wouldn't have to worry about pensioners because they wouldn't need anybody else. But the bottom line is there will be some that will need somebody. Wouldn't it be nice if the families were responsible for their own families? Imagine how much closer that would bring you generation to generation. To just we Everybody just had this understanding, like we used to, that parents take care of children and adult children help take care of elderly parents because that's what a family is. We've, we've farmed out this relationship this responsibility to the government. You know, we, we've farmed out raising our children. we farmed out taking care of our elderly. we farmed out even kids, you know, we're trying to get kids in government schools when they're two years old now. They just keep expanding that. You know, it's, it's not making us happier. It's not making us smarter. It's not making us more prosperous. It's, it's doing nothing for us but bankrupting us. Uh, the story goes on. It says, quote, harsh costs, come, uh, costs in coming months. Mele, a political outsider who rode a wave of voter anger at the worst economic crisis in decades, is warned about likely 20 to 40 percent monthly inflation in the months ahead, but said without tough measures, the country could slip into hyperinflation. He has repeatedly said that, quote, there is no money, unquote. Though he has pledged to protect some social spending in a bid to head off protests with over four in ten people already in, in poverty. Here's an Argentinian economist, Gustavo Baer. He said, quote, there will be some harsh costs in the coming months from a deepening of stagflation. Analysts say the biggest challenge to Mele will be keeping a lid on social unrest. Many Argentinians, wary at years of boom-bust economic crisis, seem willing for now to give him time to turn things around, but their patience likely won't last long. Uh, Facundo Marino, a 53-year-old worker in central Buenos Aires, said he backed the plan as necessary to avoid things getting worse. But he added, quote, it's a really deep shock for people's pockets. It destroys you. He said, with the dollar at 800, bus tickets going from 50 to 500 pesos, everything increases. He said, either you hike salaries or I don't know what's going to happen to the country. So that tells you Javier Mille, the Argentinians are with him. I mean, the guy actually went to people. Now, again, they've been through a lot of crises here in the United States. We've been through several, but they always paper over them because we got this dollar reserve status, this dollar we've been able to use, a Federal Reserve that can print it up willy nilly. That game is ending. We've been through the crises here, but they always, you know, it's like COVID, right? I mean, they destroyed businesses, they destroyed churches, they destroyed relationships, they destroyed uh, the, the kids' ability to go to school and, and, and learn. I mean, just, they just destroyed everything with COVID. But they sent you out what? I didn't get any stimulus checks. I don't take stimulus checks. 
I'm not mad at anybody who did, but I just, just nature of my employment and everything else, I just don't get them. Uh, what did they send you? 600 and then 1,200 and then 1,400 or 2,000, 22. I can't remember what it was. I remember Trump wanted them to be bigger. You know, they sent you a few thousand dollars. Just destroyed the economy, destroyed tens of thousands of small businesses around this country. But they gave you $1,400, so we just say, well, okay, we made it through. Well, can we all just forget about that and just move on now? We're going to reelect Tate Reeves and Donald Trump and all the people that were behind this lockdown because they sent us $1,400. I guess we made it through. Nobody understands that there's still a ticking time bomb from COVID sitting in the U.S. Treasury. It's, you know, the last eight to nine trillion dollars of debt that we've added on. We're now spending over a trillion dollars a year just on interest on the debt. So you think you made it through with your $1,400 check and your $600 check and you're okay. You'll forgive everybody. You'll actually reelect those people because you don't understand that it's just... It's like taking a, a disease and shoving it under the rug for a little bit. It's, it's just going to keep growing like mold, and it's going to overtake us all. But anyway, it's so the Argentinians, they're going to give him a little bit of rope, but I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how long he's got. you got to be a great communicator, right? I mean, I always said this. Well, I'll tell you what. i, I got to take a break, and i got just a couple of minutes when I come back. This was my great hope for Trump, and I think I narrated this on the show starting in 2017 when he got inaugurated. I think he missed a huge opportunity to do something similar to this, but not as drastic. Argentina's uh, situation, the inflation that they're experiencing, is worse than we have it. We wouldn't even have to go as hardcore as Argentina. But you need a leader, which we don't ever have, an actual leader, an educator, someone who explains this to American people. I think people could take the truth. And maybe uh, maybe I'll put this out there again. Maybe someone will get it to Donald Trump. He could do it right this time. Be right back. So dark you can't see the end. Skies cocked back. Shock at which can't defend. The rain then sends dripping. Acidic questions. Forcefully. The power of suggestion. Then with the eyes shut. Looking through the rust and rotten dust. A small spot of light floods the floor. And pours over the rusted world of pretend. And the eyes ease open. And it's dark again. From the top to the bottom. And the top I stop. At the core I forgot it. All right, final segment. I've only got a few minutes left. This is what the United States needs. We need somebody who says, hey, look, I love you all. I want to see I want to see young people, middle-aged people, old people. I want us to return to a level of prosperity. I want everybody to be happy and successful and you know, follow your dreams, expand the, the, the American dream in this country. But the political class, they, they've just screwed this thing up so horrifically. It, it's going to take a lot of kind of painful things to get us back to where we need to be. And, and what my thing for Donald Trump was, because, you know, he had, some, he had some good ideas. I think he had some good instincts. And I think that had he had his style, this was always my problem with him. I said from the very beginning of the Trump presidency, he could have been a JFK type figure. If he had sat down on yeah, once a month, I don't know if Americans would tune in every Sunday night. You know, bringing back something along the uh, along uh, was it FDR that did the fireside chats? But it'd be great to do them without the lies. <laughs> you know, an actual fireside chat where you just kind of really explain to people things. Explain central banking. Look, people, I, I know this is not this is not going to be popular, but they've just do you know they've just been printing up money. 
Imagine you had the only Mickey Mantle rookie trading card in the world. Think of how much that would be worth. It'd be great, right? What if you heard that now there were a hundred of them? They printed a hundred more. Well, yours isn't worth as much anymore. What if you heard they printed a hundred thousand of them? Well, your Mickey Mantle card's worth nothing now, right? Because everybody can have one. That's how they dilute the value of the dollar. You just do some, some short, pithy economic lessons and explaining to why people, if we take the pain now, we can get back on track. And we really could. We really could. But you would have to really kind of hold people's hands. The presidency has that, that platform. Oh, the media will tear them down. Wall Street would be against it because all the bailouts for Wall, uh, Wall Street would have to go away. There'd be a lot of people lined up against it. That's why you've got to go straight to the people and have an honest conversation with them. Ron Paul tried this during 2008, 2012, and the Republicans turned on him. You know, the media pretended he wasn't even there. And the Republicans, instead of listening to him, because he's, go online and just search, Ron Paul was right. <laughs> I don't know if there's more health benefits to apple cider vinegar, because there's just seems to be dozens and dozens of those, or things that Ron Paul was right about. Ron Paul was right. He's, he's tried to warn since the 1980s. He was warning about things that have come to pass, both foreign policy and economically here in the United States. But a president that sits down, I hope Javier Mille keeps this. You know, he's a populist down there. He's, he, he reached out to the people. He walks amongst them. If he can keep their attention focused, hang in there with me just a little bit longer. We're going to fix this. Remember when Argentina was one of the richest countries in the world? We can do it again. But it's going to take some sacrifice. Here in the United States, I don't think we're prepared for sacrifice. We're always forced to sacrifice, Right. But our political class tells us, well, that was just an accident. It shouldn't happen that way. It's the other side's fault. What if we sacrificed on purpose? Like we knew what the end game was, what the payoff was. Take the pain now for a very prosperous future down the line. Again, I don't know if that's marketable or not, but I sure would like to see it tried. It looks like Argentina's giving it a whirl. That's all the time I've got for today. Have a fantastic week, and I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Uh, bye-bye. Streets know you, and when it's time to handle business, then we know what to do. Me and my crew.